Oh, yes, yes, yes. Welcome to the Crazy Ike Fan Podcast. I'm your host, Teddy. No matter where you are, thanks for making this part of your day. Thanks for taking a listen, as always, guys. Subscribe and rate the podcast if you can, please, if you haven't already done it. Follow me across social media, Crazy Ike Fan Facebook page, at Crazy Ike Fan on Instagram and on the Twitters. Hope everyone's doing well. Hope everyone had a wonderful Sunday. I know I did. Feeling a little jacked up this morning. Maybe it's because I've had too much coffee. Maybe it's because I'm recording a podcast in the morning, which I normally don't do. Uh, Just feeling very good. Ike won yesterday. My NFL club won last night. Feeling good today. Uh, So let's get to it, guys. Gosh, what a game in uh, Nikia, suburb of Pideos yesterday. Um, Gosh. All right, let let me just paint the picture for you guys. I know I watched the first half. You guys probably saw my tweets on Twitter. But how pissed off I was about the officiating. And I'll get to that in a second. Um, <laughs> I mean, football is just a, a strange sport in general, I would say, right? If you're heavily invested in a certain club or a team or sport, you, as crazy as this sounds, and I know many of you probably feel this way, it can it can really make or break your day, right? So when you're having a 9 a.m. kickoff... <laughs> early in the morning here. I know for some of you around the world, especially in Australia, I think I said this last week, uh, hats off to you guys that wake up at, you know, two, three o'clock in the morning, four, five to watch these matches because my, my hats go off to you guys. You guys are real fans. Um, but anyway, it was a 9am kickoff, you know, but you're just starting your day. I'm having coffee and I'm watching football. I'm watching Ike. They're playing the team at the bottom of the table, which you, yeah, I mean, I know it's football, and not to say this old cliche, I know we we Yanks here in Yankland say this a lot, but about the the NFL, but any given Sunday, right? Anybody could beat anybody. We've, across the board, we've seen this in in any league around the world, where it doesn't matter what position the the clubs are in sometimes, uh, strange things happen. Football, football's football. Um, So you're thinking to yourself, okay, we're playing the bottom team, We know they're going to come out tough. We know they're going to come out defensively. We know they're going to park the bus. Anyway, so I started watching the first half, and boy, was I disappointed. I mean, I'll talk about the officiating here in a little bit, because you guys know that was a big part of what I was tweeting yesterday during the first half when I was watching the match. Uh, But other than that, I mean, the team looked passionless. They looked flat. It was the worst half I could have played this season. Um, you know, I talked about this during the Bas- the Pasiganana match, uh, or uh, the podcast after the Pasiganana match that we lost, where it was just a different feel that match because we were still creating chances. I mean, I honestly, if they had scored some of the chances they had in that match, it didn't matter if Pas had scored two goals. We could have been up 3-2 at the half, or I think we were only down 1-0 at the half. Anyway... I, I felt differently, right? I felt differently. No, we were down 2-0 at the half during the Pasiana game. Because then we came back and scored the first goal. And I said, you know, I felt like we could overturn that match, which ended up not happening, obviously. This was a different feel. I mean, I felt like I didn't know who this team was. I felt like this wasn't a team from last year. Even the bad performances last year. This was a terrible, terrible first half up and down the board. Um... So, kind of, 
put things into what my worldview was at the time. It was 9 a.m. You know, I watched the first half and then my wife was like, we got to get going. So I was getting ready real quick. I watched probably up until close to the 60th minute. So second half started, Khadjusafi had that uh, great shot that the keeper of um, Vionikos was able to keep out. I saw some things there that I was like, okay, maybe there's some daylight, but I didn't have the same feeling that I did in the Pasiana match. In the Pasiana match, even when we were down 2-0, I said, I had this feeling that we could come back and at least tie the match. This match just felt like a loss. You know, we ended up leaving, we went to our uh, community church here, um, Greek community church, you know, I walk in and the first person that I see in front of me is a good friend of mine who's a Panathinaikos fan. And I'm like, oh God, really? Right now? So I even told him, I mean, I was like, hey man, we're down 1-0 at the late in the game. I mean, it's past the 70th minute at this point. It, it doesn't look good. And I told my wife, I was like, I'm going to make one more check to see what the score is before we go into the sanctuary. And I checked the score <laughs> and it was... um. It was still 1-0, close to the 80th minute, and I was like, great. You know, I said some curse words under my breath, God forgive me. But, you know, that was my picture. I was just in a bad mood. I was like, I was looking at all my friends that were there, and I was like, okay, that's a Libacos fan, that's a Panathinaikos fan. Anyway, just just, just soaking up in misery. Thank God for uh, smartwatches, because of course I had the alerts on my, um, coming through on my smartwatch. <laughs> uh... Saw where we tied. 82nd, 83rd minute. Vida scores. And I'm like, okay, you know, at least we'll be able to salvage a point. You know, point, uh, you're still dropping two points. But if we could just salvage a point, especially with the way that we had played. At that point that I saw, obviously, I'll go over it more. I watched uh, the second half and second half highlights later on. I'll go over that in a little while. And then I saw it. I felt my watch vibrate and I looked down. Steven Zuber comes through and I wanted to fist bump. <laughs> I probably would have looked like a total weirdo. Uh, completely changes my mood, completely changes the mood of the day. You know, I was just like so mad that we were going to lose to the bottom of the table team. No, no disrespect, no offense to Nikos. But um, anyway, let's move on from my little story here. Uh, first things first. I was wondering what is going on with Levy Garcia. I got the alert right before, uh, as I was getting up yesterday morning, that um, he was out of the squad for the match. And I was like, well, I, don't, I didn't remember hearing any um, injury reports or anything over the past few days. And I didn't listen to any reports that morning because it was so early, like literally as soon as I got up, got my got my life together in the morning, we were kicking off. Um, so I didn't know what was going on with Levy Garcia. Uh, very strange. It was a game where I felt like, uh, he was totally missing. Um, we missed him because of the way Ionikos was able to play there. They have a good defense, but it's an old defense. It's a Romao, you know, XI player, Tsigrinsky. So I felt that if Levy Garcia was there, Maybe we could have been able to take advantage of his speed. I, I really feel like Levy Garcia. And someone pointed out in the Greek media also that said, you know, I just had some of their worst games when Levy Garcia isn't in the game or um, 
what have you. So for me, I was just full of question marks um, about Levy Garcia. Why is he out? How serious is his injury? Because I was like, injury. And then I didn't see a tweet this morning. I didn't see it. Someone tweeted at me yesterday, but I didn't see it till this morning that maybe a transfer is in the works. I don't know. I responded to this person and said, um, you know, uh, I don't think they would uh, make a trade right now or transfer him or sell him. Um, I think the summer is more likely for them to sell players off because I feel like he's such a vital uh, piece to this club right now. And um, at the beginning of the match, I can't lie, I was I was excited to see Van Weert actually get a full match under his belt. But before I get into the game, you guys know how I normally do this. I go through both halves and talk about both halves. Um, I'm actually going to kind of reverse it and talk about the Super League a little bit and then go into the match, right? So Super League, <laughs> things are really looking, I mean, aside from everything else, guys, like... The toughest thing about the Greek Super League, I would say the past few years or the past many, 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 many years, especially if you're my age and have watched this league for an, a, a great number of years. I mean, I've been watching it close to 25 years now, uh, 26, I had the best almost 30 years, right? Uh, and it's been hard. I mean, at times during this uh, dominating run that I've had, especially when the other teams have been subpar and we'll also win the championship by like a lot of points. You know, when I was younger, late 90s, mid to late 90s, early 2000s, that wasn't the case. It would go kind of back and forth. There would be at least some competition at the top of the league uh, to make things very interesting towards the end. This is the first season in a very, very long time. And it's sad to say, probably in y'all's lifetime, some of you guys, uh, where things have been so competitive, and it looks like it's it's literally going to go down to the wire. Um, everything to play for here. I mean, Panathinaikos are looking like they're going through a, a bit of a rough patch. How are things going to pan out for them? Not, I mean, not too good a result. Not two very bad results for them. It looks like all things considering, I mean, Panathinaikos are a good team. But with Balk having a 2-0 lead going into the the second leg of the cup, it looks like they're out of the cup. They got beat 3-0 at home. I don't think the scoreline is indicative of the game because um, I do feel like the teams were very evenly matched. From the, Listen, from the highlights that I saw, I didn't watch any of this match. Um, I preferred to watch Arsenal versus Man United, and I think I was uh, justified in that. <clears throat> that was a lovely match if you caught it in the Premier League yesterday. Um, so I didn't watch any of the Panathinaikos Pop match. I kept an eye on the score, and I saw that, oh my gosh, at one point I was like, oh, 3-0. Jeez, at home, Panathinaikos. So I switched over to um, Greek TV afterwards to watch the highlights and hear about what happened in the match. And um, I think it was, it, it, it was a little too... Uh, how we say in Greek, it was the, the scoreline was not fair, I think, to, to Panathinaikos. I think Bach were able to just take more advantage of their chances. Um, I think 
for some reason, Falk the past couple of games has had Panathinaikos' number. Is Falk getting better? I'm not sure because I watched him against the other game against Ulfi last week where they dropped points. It's just every... You have question marks about every team, even Ike. I mean, Ike, yeah, we're playing great football, but then we just had our one of our best football matches of the season against Panathinaikos, and then we come and do this and struggle... And in all honesty, I mean, I give credit where credit's due. Ionikos deserved to win this match. Ionikos deserved it. Um, you know, Olympiacos dropping points in Atromitos in uh, Peristeri over the weekend. You know, a 1-1 draw. Uh, don't know why. I guess they don't have a midfield. I don't know why. Michel keeps wanting to play three tens in the midfield. A lot of question marks there. You know, they've looked good at times, like they're on the rebound, and then they'll have a game like this, which I'll give credit where credit's due. Atromitos are one of those teams that I feel like they play well with the big boys, but then, you know, they could lose to a new cost next week. I don't know who they're playing next week. I'm just saying, like, it's, um, they're one of those up and down, like, yo-yo clubs. Uh, Jekyll and Hyde, as I like to call them. Um other things, Luchescu, I'm sorry. I want to give this guy respect as a manager, and I do respect him as a manager. I think he's a, he's a good manager. Uh, him and Pauk seem to have this nice fit together. You know, I was wrong about my early season prediction that I thought he was going to be out by Christmas time. Completely wrong. Um, that young kid they got, Costandelis, fantastic, fantastic footballer. I mean, I'm excited to see him in, in the Nikki uh, uniform to see what he can do. Exciting young footballer they have there that's really changed the dynamic of that team. Um, but still, I wonder uh, what, well, who is the real Pauk? And I think we're going to see that in a couple of weeks when they play, uh, when they play Bacos and Dumba. And they're, uh, you know, they're kind of riding this momentum. They were able to get this uh, this result here Against Panathinaikos, they got Pauk going up to Tumba, and then we have to go up to Tumba and play too, Ike. So they're in a they're in a good spot. If they can take both those matches, I think they're back in the thick of things compared to a week ago where I was like, they're they're dead in the water. This just shows, you know, they're back in the thick of things, and it's different when you see how the table's shaping up, how much more motivated players get to make a run at a championship than a run, like, say, at a European spot or just to finish out the season. So, very exciting stuff. Again, I want to reiterate, Luchescu is a freaking clown. He beat Panathinaikos yesterday, and he was saying, like, incognito stuff about Ike. Like, there's a team out there that has a new stadium that... And the biggest freaking comment that really struck a nerve with me he said something along the lines of Ike controlling the officiating. Not in those many words, but he says they get the calls when they need the call. Are you freaking kidding me? Are you kidding me? I'm sorry, guys. I mean, I know some of you might think out there that I'm that I'm seeing things with yellow and black glasses on, but I'm not seeing them with yellow and black glasses on. If you watch the first half of that match against Duanikos yesterday, I mean... The blatant foul on Rota. It was a penalty. I mean, if you're going to say that the 
penalty last week that the what's the Panathinaikos player? Cor- Corbelis, I think, won their penalty last week that they were able to beat Yanina with. Um, that was a penalty. Then the, the foul on Rota in the first nine minutes of the match in the Ionikos Ike game, that's a penalty too. I mean, yes, guys, I'm not, a, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be hypocritical here because last week I gave this whole speech on officiating and how, <laughs> excuse me, officiating in football can be subjective sometimes. Um, or officiating or, or VAR, you know, some people see it some way, some people see it another. I understand that, but there has to be some continuity. There has to be some universal continuity that if, I've seen horrible pens given all, all season long in the Super League, and that one's not given. I don't know. And then you're going to tell me, Mr. Lutescu, that we're control- how How the heck? I want to know, guys. Tweet at me if you're a Falk fan, if you're a Libertos fan. How in your mind do you think Ike are controlling Apple Or Ike are controlling the referees? Because we get no calls in any match. And I'm sorry, we're the only teams that have the the the, the balakya to not complain about it. Ike never puts out a statement about, about officiating. Even yesterday, if we would have lost, Ike never puts out a statement. I'm sorry. But I find that, you know, some Ike fans get mad at that because they're like, you know, all the other teams are doing it. Why are we not doing it? No. You know, we're going to take our losses no matter which way they come. You know, man. Like, we're not going to sit there and moan and complain about everything. Like, Panathinaikos won last week with a ridiculous penalty given. I can understand how, how it was given, but they won the way they won. And then they come out and put out a statement about the officiating in that match. Now... Again, I don't want to seem hypocritical because I didn't watch the rest of the match. Maybe there were a lot of bad calls in that match. I, you know, last week I said that I sat down and watched a lot of Super League games here and there. And I saw some bad officiating. Some bad officiating, listen, with all due respect, go against some of the bigger clubs too. Not all four. You know, sometimes I go a little crazy on Twitter. I go a little crazy on here with calls, with officiating. But... I've seen things go against some of the some of the bigger clubs. But you can't come out here and tell me like this is this is the propaganda of this guy that I'm just I'm sorry. I wasn't going to let this guy get under my skin this much. I was just going to say he's a clown and move on, but ah, he boils my blood so bad. I can't stand him. Uh but let's move on from there. Let's 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 get into the game, guys. Let's get into the match. That's what I had to say about the Super League. It's panning out to be very exciting. I mean, I hope this is the beginning of just a new Super League. I hope we see this continue even next season. Um, hopefully, fingers crossed, you know, just, uh, I, you know, I think even the, the year that we won the championship, even though it was exciting, even though it was close, you know, obviously we know all the controversy at the end. Um, but you kind of felt that after whatever happened in the in the Falk Ike match that year, things were kind of things were kind of over. Things were kind of done, and then Olympiacos just really really fell off the map. Panathinaikos was no offense, guys, non-existent. Um, 
But this year, I, I, I don't know. Like, if you were to ask me today, God forbid if my life depended on it, if someone had a gun in my head and said, you know, you have to predict the Super League winner, I'd be terrified because I don't know. I, gosh, it's just going to be very, very exciting finish that it's setting up here. And especially when we get into the playoffs. Uh, so let's get into this match. Another thing I wanted to say about this match, um, it would have been a devastating loss. It would have been a devastating loss, not because, you know, you could say, yeah, Teddy, you might have been devastated, but look at the other results. We still would have been in the thick of things, blah, blah, blah. Yes, but you cannot lose points where most likely, you know, two of your competitors already, I know Libertos and Pauk, have um, gone through Nikia and gotten all three points. You can't drop points to these clubs. It goes back to what I always say. Up until we get to the playoffs, the championship goes through the Barria. Whoever picks up points in these areas is going to have a nice little heads up when it comes to playoff time. Playoffs, all bets are off because I think everyone's going to beat up on everyone. Ike's going to have losses. I mean, I hope not, but... Ike's going to have some losses. Uh, teams are just going to beat up on each other because you're playing the top half of the table. So, but this was a match. This, to me, right now, I would call it, to this point of the season, the biggest win that Ike have had um, from multiple different reasons. Uh, let me get into that a little later. Let me start off with the match. So, first half, dreadful. Just God-awful performance. Again, give credit where credit's due. Ionikos had a game plan. Ionikos came out. They really clamped down on um, Ike's backs. Ike's backs were not able to get forward. Rota, were, or when they were able to get forward, Hadzafin and Rota, they weren't able to do much. They just made mistake after mistake. Uh, Ionikos stayed back. And like any other, quote-unquote, smaller team, they wanted to hit on the counter. And they had a really good counter opportunities. You know, they had that one goal that was called offsides. And it was clearly, clearly offsides by Country Mile. Like, <coughs> excuse me, guys. It was off by Country Mile. You clearly saw it. Like, I had no worry. What? Well, in Greece with VAR, you always have worry. But there was no worry. Um, of course, I was highly pissed off after... Um, what I believe was a penalty on Rota. Now, I could see, guys, again, it's subjective, not to get into it again, but I could see how it could be given and not be given, but you, it, I can't watch every other team around the Super League get penalties like this, and every time this happens to Ike, Ike not get a penalty. When it was when it was clear, I mean, they both went for the ball, but the defensive player just took uh, Rota's legs out. I'm sorry, Caradoni? is a terrible referee. He should never he should never referee or VAR another match in his entire life. Caradoni should be fired today. Sorry. I mean, not that I want to take food away off anyone's plate, but if you're trained to do this, you're trained to do this job. If you didn't see that that was a penalty, either one, you were paid off, or B, you're an idiot. Um, and Sideropolo... Sideropolo Kala, we know that Sideropolo has had it in for Ike for years. Every time I hear his freaking name at the beginning of a match, I'm like, I hope there's not a controversial call. Um, 
I have to say, with most calls, he was kind of consistent. But in this one, I don't understand how, A, the referee, Sidiropolo, misses it. And then the Varista, the VAR ref, Garadoni, uh, misses this. Like, are you both freaking blind? I mean, it's like that that meme of that movie with uh, Sandra Bullock where that's what it felt like. Like, this is how you guys are officiating? Idiots. Um, anyway, so that kind of set me off, if you couldn't tell. It still sets me off. And on Twitter, and in all fairness, okay, let me continue on with the first half. To me, personally, again, this is what it comes down to, guys. This is why I think it's not... Yeah, sometimes I take it personal that it's against us, that it's against Ike. But I just think the officiating is bad. Like, for me, the Rota handball is is is, is a penalty to also. I'm going to give credit where credit's due. I think that was a penalty. I think there should have been a penalty given when Rota was fouled. And then when Rota committed a blatant handball, that was another penalty. And then when... Uh, the Onikos player had a handball. He punched the freaking ball. He punched the freaking ball. He punched the ball out with his arm. And you're telling me that's not a pen, Caradoni? That's not a penalty? Are we serious right now? I mean, that was almost as bad as if you guys remember Virinha with his hand up, the championship year. His own version of Virinha's hand of God. Uh, against, uh, I think it was against Aceras Tripolis, where he just blatantly put his hand up. No, it's not a penalty. I don't know where the hell you got your officiating license at. Um, but yeah, to be fair, I mean, I thought the Rota penalty was a penalty. It could clear his day. I mean, he, the ball hits his chest and then he it goes up and it, and it clearly hits his arm. Because under FIFA rules, as far as I know it now, I know there's been a lot of arguing over what what consists of being a handball. Uh, is clear this year. I think any, you know, whether it's intentional or not, if it hits your, if it hits your hand, the upper part of your hand past your elbow, then it's a penalty. I mean, both of those were penalties. I'm going to give credit where credit's due. And I'm always going to say what I believe to be the truth. I mean, again, yes, not to sound hypocritical, football can be subjective, but there has to be a, a standardized rule. Like you can't, Corbelli can't get a penalty in his game because it's Panathinaikos and it's in the 95th minute and because they want to start wearing red over there in uh, in Los Foros all of a sudden. Red colors. Uh, I don't know. So first half, let's get back to the football. Sorry, guys. I spent a lot of time in the officiating. But it was a big part of the, uh, of the first half of this match. Again, Ike did not play well. We did not create. We did not have... Besides a few half chances here and there, not really any big opportunities. Um, there was a uh, a well strike uh, foul outside of the box by Hadzi Safi that hit the that hit the post towards the end of the half. That was probably our best opportunity for a goal. Um, not really much in it. Just it was dreadful, man. It was it, it was like we were not watching Ike. No one that you expect to step up with no, no one played well, no one, no one, no one played well. Mukudi seemed like a shell of himself that first half. I mean, that, that tripla that he ate from, um, Sabah was terrible on the, on the foul. The whole defense just reacted wrong. I'm not the foul, the goal, the whole defense just reacted wrong on that from, from Rota losing the ball to, 
the midfielders giving um, all kinds of space all day to that player to make that pass. And the whole world, I mean, you could not not understand where the ball was going. There was only two, I mean, you know, when you only brought two players forward, and that was smart on their part that they, they brought these fast players forward that could get, you know, they could counter really fast. Um, and Simonski, I mean, he should have closed in and helped Mukudi on that, especially when that's the case. When, yes, I understand there was a trailer trailing into the box, but that player was covered. Uh, I don't understand why Simonski didn't close his view out faster. I mean, that, but Mukudi, you can't on a professional level eat that tripla. Now, another complaint of mine, aside from the officiating, the pitch looked terrible. I mean, Mukudi was sliding all over the place. Araujo, I remember in the second half, uh, had to switch out when I was listening to the match um, in the second half before I got to my destination. Um, it was They were saying how Araujo had to like change his shoes out because the pitch was just terrible. But, I mean, this is Greece. Most, unfortunately, most pitches around there there's certain fields that are terrible to play on. That's not an excuse. You cannot, I mean, it just, I don't know. It was a terrible uh, place to concede a goal. So first half, I felt like we were dead in the water. No emotion out of this team. No no sense of urgency. Like no sense of, you didn't see that Almeida press come out. You didn't see that, you know, that that brand of football that I could have been playing all season, you didn't see that come out at all in the first half. Um, again, to give credit where credit's due, you go seem to have a great game plan. They shut down our backs um, with Manvrit, who I know you guys have heard me uh, talk a lot about him and wanting to see him play a lot. Um, he was non-existent. He was, um, I'll admit it. He was non-existent in this match. They were able to to shut him down. He barely touched the ball. Uh, he did have a chance in the second half before he was subbed off where he had a brilliant, really big, like a double chance to kind of uh, put the ball away, which would have really turned the game around. Um, but they really, they executed their game plan. They... They they shut Ike down in the first half. Not just that, but they got in Ike's head between the officiating, I I believe, and then they were arguing every single call. I mean, I think in the first half, two people off of Iwanikos's bench had yellow cards, including the head coach. Um, which I mean, if that's your strategy, that's your strategy. I mean, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go into all that. You guys know what that means. Um, so let's move on. Let's go to the second half. But the first half, Iwanikos executed their game plan. Second half started, like I said earlier, Kajisafi had a brilliant strike on goal. The keeper was able to put it out. I mean, if that would have went in, I think it would have really changed the trajectory of this match. Uh, did not go in. Um, coming up to, I think, close to the 60th minute. Um... Uh, Van Witt had that uh, double opportunity to score. Didn't happen. I mean, you even saw it in the highlights. And in the, and when I watched the second half that Amrabat kind of threw his arms up like in celebration. Like he thought, okay, Van Witt's getting ready to score. And then comes a change where I have to say, like, in my mind, <laughs> this just goes to show you, like I've said every week the past few weeks, 
Ameda knows more about football than I do, obviously. Um, just a change where it was like, what? You're taking out, hold on. You're going to take Van Weert out and put Amrabat in the center forward position? At first I was like, okay, he's going to take Van Weert out. He's going to put Araujo in that center forward position and put Gatsinovic in. A, I was a little worried about him putting Gatsinovic in because I'm like, this guy's coming off of injury. You know, I was worried about A, re-injury, but not just re-injury. I'm like, you're going to put him in this intense match, a match where we bare minimum need to at least pick up a point. Um, but, I mean, you know, everyone on the on, on the Ike sphere, let's say in, in Ike world, uh, thought the same thing I did. Like, what the heck is this guy thinking doing this? Like, you're going to play without basically a center forward. I know Amonabot can play center forward, but geez, do we remember what Amonabot looked like at center forward last year, a few games that he played? He wasn't quite the best. Um, so Almeida started making changes, and to his credit, that change completely changed the trajectory of the game. I mean... Wow, this team looked completely different in the second half, in the 60th minute. You know, uh, Mandalos was also subbed on. And this is, again, guys, I've talked about this before. It's big when you have a bench like this. It's big when you have depth like this where players can come off the bench and make a big difference like this, make an impact. And they really, really did. I mean, Ike, the last 25 to 30 minutes of the match looked like a completely different team. They looked like the Ike that we know. They created chances. Gatsinovich had a couple of chances to open up the scoring. He looked, I mean, for his first game back, he looked a little rusty, a little out of form, but looked fantastic besides that. I mean, he just looked like he came in hungry, orexatos, a lot of energy, a lot of passion the last few minutes of the game. Um... And then, like, we're able to make a breakthrough with who else? Vida. You know, it's it's interesting to me. It's fantastic that two of their highest paid players were Vida. We can honestly say since the World Cup has not looked like himself. Not that he played a lot in the World Cup. I don't know if it's just his form, his, his age, kicking in a little bit too many games under his belt. Um, But he hasn't looked great. He's gone under a, not a lot of scrutiny and criticism. But a little bit over the past uh, few games, he's able to come through. Just had a great, uh, had a great jump at the ball off a corner kick and was able to put it away and tie the match at one one. And I mean, then we get to the moment where Mandalo. Look, guys, it's it's again, it's so ironic that all these players that over the past few months. You've heard so much. I keep hearing every week by a lot of Ike fans that Mandalos at the end of the season, he's done. He should be, you know, he should be out of Ike. We don't really need him. How awesome is it that we have a player like this come off our bench? And I do feel that Mandalo, one thing about him, yeah, he can't, he's never been a high energy, high intensity guy. And I think that's why besides a few cup matches or if you really, really need him, He's going to be a bench player under Almeida. You know, maybe he wants that because he wants to stay at Ike for his whole career. Or maybe he wants to go somewhere else and start. But I think Ike should keep him. I mean, he's an Ike Z. The kid has heard so much over the past few years. But for him to make that pass 
in the box to to Zubir, where the whole world and I know watching it live would have been different because you would have thought he's getting ready to shoot and the ball's going to go it's just going to be one of those shots where you know the ball's going to go stop it steady up with Lennon. it's going to be for the birds like they say in greek um he was able to draw like three defenders around him and then just slightly pass the ball through to Steven Zuber at a weird angle and Steven Zuber i mean for all the bad luck this poor guy has had with putting the ball behind the net you know he's heard so much over the past season i think everybody started kind of getting a little sympathetic with him given the fact that um we just found out he had uh he was playing with that injury for many months close to a year uh that he sacrificed going to the to the world cup to have surgery and rehab so he could be ready for the the rest of the season and he's come back and i know a lot of people don't see this but you have seen a slow progression in him and you just have to give the guy time to find his form and get a little bit get a little bit of luck and have a ball hopefully this is the start of something great but for this guy to put that ball away the highest paid i think he's the highest paid i player still i can't remember if it's him or vida to be able to put the ball in the back of the net and score the most crucial goal of the season right now the biggest goal of the season hats off to him i know every ig feels the same way like i'm glad i'm glad it couldn't have happened to, to a better guy for me and then to hear his comments after the match where he was talking about how it's about the team it's about the team i don't think you know a lot of people have said it, you know he's selfish or he just enjoys playing in greece because there's not this like pressure and like crazy structure that there is and uh in Germany in the Bundesliga, you know, he can go out in Greece a lot and he's he's partying, he's doing this. I I you know, I think that's all BS. Um I think the guy just needs to find his form and to have all three of those players that have especially more so Mandalos and Zuber who have come under uh so much scrutiny over the past year and Zuber still um over the this this season um, just tremendous, tremendous job, tremendous job off the bench. And you have to think like these guys play with pride, man. They want to play. So for players to come up off the bench and come onto the pitch and be able to perform the way that they do to me, that's, that's fantastic. That shows the team mentality for him to come out afterwards and say, you know, I don't care what anyone says. Everyone says, you know, blah, 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 that I want to score the big goals or, you know, that that's just all, um, I'm paraphrasing here, but he said it's kind of all like noise to me. It's about the team. And uh, that really just shows you the team mentality that uh, Almeida has really um, put into this group. Um, and it just shows you, you know, another thing that um, I don't watch Greek TV that much. Uh, I don't watch the talk shows that much. If I listen to reports and shows it's normally like radio shows um <coughs> guys i apologize um anyway it was um you know i don't i watch i listen to radio shows but i was watching the uh cosmote uh highlight show because i wanted to see highlights of the second half of the ike match and, and see the goals because of course we all know it's freaking if any of you have ever youtubed uh watching Super League highlights, you know, they don't make it easy. Um, 
So I was watching it and one guy brought up a good point. This just shows the difference in having quality on your club. That kind of quality, that kind of individual quality where a player can come in and finish the way that he did. And that was a very fair point. Another point that they made uh, that I kind of started to think about. And I, um, I don't think there's any merit to this. But they were saying how Ike is different playing on the road. Which, A, proves the fact that this new stadium has given so much energy to this club, to these players, that it this near Philadelphia, it's, it's a difference. It makes such a big difference from playing in Oaxaca, the desert of Oaxaca, uh, that Ike are different on the road, but Ike are different on the road when playing in stadiums that are empty. Now, I didn't feel like Nikia was that empty, but it definitely wasn't that full. Um, and then, you know, Ike struggled in, uh, in Yanina, um, against, uh, what do you call it? Like an empty stadium in Yanina. Because you even look at when Ike have gone on the road to Karaskaki, of course, Ike had their, their best game possibly in Karaskaki ever, even if we didn't win, uh, one of their best games of the new Karaskaki ever, uh, at least f- over the past four seasons, um, and even in the game of Lofotos, I mean, you know, we don't need to get into the past. But when we've played on the road, uh, I'd like to finish up here with two comments. And I'm going to do a, I might not do such a long podcast, but I think I'm going to do a, another podcast this week to kind of preview the coming up week. Preview the derby against Aris, which is going to be a tough one. And we have to remember that, guys. Even if I drop points somewhere, not to say that they're going to drop points against Aris, there's a lot of great matches coming up. I mean, listen. Another point that I heard someone make, which is very valid. All right, next week, we play Aris on Sunday. I think Olibakos yeah, also plays on Sunday. I forget who they play. Uh, and then Balk and Panathinaikos don't play till Monday. If we win and leapfrog Panathinaikos, what kind of pressure is Panathinaikos going to be going to? Uh, they have to go into Tripoli and win. Yes, Asteras aren't the team that they were last year, or they're honestly becoming a shell of themselves as we're used to Asteras being, even though, you know, we know that it's hard to win there. We didn't win there. Um, it's going to put a lot of pressure on Panathinaikos and see what happens in, in, in Tripoli. And now you're at the point where this this changes things for Panathinaikos. This was a bad loss to Balk for them because any points dropped... And an Ike victory, uh, Ike leapfrogs you. And then how do you deal with being the chaser instead of being the chased uh, in the league? It'll make things very interesting if that happens. Um, you know, of course, we have a tough opponent. I'm not going to demean Aris. Aris are a good team. For me, again, they're one of those Jekyll and Hyde clubs where they could come in and after that, and play great. Uh tough place to play for them uh, I'm sure the crowd will be ready re-energized after this this victory and this is a a, a victory that we had in in Nikia Adonikos that I haven't seen very many of in, in in even years past I mean there were games where I remember growing up watching this club we lost games like that for us to come back and win the way that we did 
just shows to you the different mentality that this that, that that's been instilled in this team. Uh, the different mentality where let's be honest, guys, we were outplayed for a, a majority of the match, and then to come back and even you know between the sixty fifth and like eightieth minute, those fifteen minutes, twenty five minutes, what have you, uh, fifteen whatever, um, where we played better to not be able to get a goal to be like to be able to get that first goal right and then have plenty of time to score a second one and to do that in the 80th and 93rd minute in the 82nd and 93rd minute it was just fantastic uh shows how this team is slowly changing the mentality is changing uh you know, I'd hate to compare it to this, but th- this was the type of game that I- I've normally watched other clubs around the world. You know, back in the day, Man United, people called it Fergie time. For God's sakes, they won a Champions League in 1999, scoring two goals in the last 10 minutes. Scholstein, uh, Sire, gosh, I can't say his freaking name. <laughs> um you know, the baby-faced killer. That's why he was known as the baby-faced killer, because he would come on, be that late sub, and would just, uh, full disclosure, I support Liverpool. So, but I remember them getting all these goals, and they called it Fergie time. They would get all these late goals. And I wanted to use them as an example first, because Olympiacos have been that in the Greek League for many years. I remember sitting there watching matches where I'm like, they're down one nil. Oh, yeah, they're down 1-0, but it's at the 60th minute. Oh, they're going to come back and win. And they came back and won. Um, I just, you know, I've rarely seen that out of bike. You know, honestly. The last game that I remember that we really did an anatropy like that, where where we didn't... I don't even remember a, a game like that where we didn't play well. I mean, I remember the Olympiacos game at Oaxaca, the championship year. The Hasi's last game as Olibekos' manager. We lost, we won that match, but at the same time, um, we played well in that match. We played well from the beginning. We just were not Olibekos were just uh were just more clinical in their finishing. Um so it's it's nice to see this team changing that mentality that you can and this is what championship teams do. Not to say that we will win the championship this year, but this is what they do. Because even on a horrible day, you find a way in the end to get those three points and we're able to to, to, to turn it around. Now, we do have a lot of... there's These next three weeks... And I'm sorry, guys, for keeping you so long. These next three weeks are very vital because we have Aris. Uh, I want to say we have Aris... Atromitos and Balk. I don't remember in what order. I know Aris this week. I can't remember if then it's Balk and then Atromitos. I think it's Aris, Atromitos, and um, uh, Peristeri, where Olympiacos just dropped points. And remember, guys, even in the first round, we needed a penalty in the 95th minute to beat Atromitos. So they're a tough team when they play the bigger sides, as I talked about earlier in the podcast. And then we have a huge matchup in Tumba with Balk. For me, if we can win all those three matches, pick up nine points from those three matches, and our opponents start to drop points, 
these next three matches, if we can pick these next three matches up, I really think it's going to put Vasis for the for the title for us. Um we'll see if we can if we can make it happen. Anyway, guys, Opus Panda Forza Ikara. I'll talk to you guys later on in the week to come back to preview the weekend that's coming, to preview the derby with uh with Aris. Guys, again, thanks for taking a listen. Thanks for interacting with me on social media. I'm sorry if I don't get back to you at a t- in a timely fashion. Just either forget or don't see the message right away. Um but I hope everyone has a good week. Forza Ikara Opus Panda. Um, one quick note on basketball news. We won over the weekend. And then I think this week, Wednesday, we play Malaga in the round of 16 for the basketball Champions League, which it's, um, it's done in a group format. Um, but the first game is this week in Spain. Let's hope the basketball team can make us proud again. Opus Panda, but yeah, Forza Ikara, I can't